Hello. Welcome to the Myths and Legends of Europe. Before I start, I released an important announcement yesterday, just letting you know that I have created a new website, which is for both of my podcasts, this one, The Myths and Legends of Europe, and The Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Please go to www.mythandhistory.co.uk and have a look. You will also find on there a PayPal donation button. You can donate as much as you like, either as a one-off or as a monthly payment. And if you do, there are some gifts that I'll send you. But please go down to the website and check it out and see for yourself. Again, it is www.mythandhistory.co.uk. OK, on we go with the episode. The Legend of Beowulf. Chapter 3. The Revenge of Mummy. As the banquet to celebrate the death of Grendel was in full swing, Wealhtheow, Queen of the Spear Danes, stepped forward and spoke to Beowulf. Accept the cup, she said, friend of warriors. Be gracious to your geats and let not the gifts that you have received be forgotten. She then turned to her husband. It is your wish that this great man Beowulf be considered as a son of yours. Herot is cleansed and bright. Leave to your kinsmen this land of Hrothulf will protect our young ones if you die before our great saviour. Finally she smiled at her sons, Hrethik and Hrothmund, who sat either side of Beowulf. She handed the great man the cup. A great trophy was given, ornate gold decorating it. She also presented him with two arm wreaths and robes and rings and a rich collar. It seems it was the greatest treasure since Hammer carried away the necklace of the Brysings. Tales were told of Hygelac the Great, and then Wealhtheow spoke to the whole hall. Take pride in this jewel and have joy. May these gifts make fortune favour you. Be strong and be gentle. Protect and be a guardian. The rest of your life, Beowulf, must be happy and prosperous. But be a friend to my sons. Every earl here has a heart open to his friends and neighbours. Each is temperate and loyal, and the people are dutiful. The feast carried on until Hrothgar retired to his bed. All of the earls and warriors settled down to sleep, but above each was a ring-stitched coat of chainmail armour and a mighty helmet and stout spear. Always they were ready for war. They all sank into a deep sleep, safe in the knowledge that the danger was gone. They were free at last. But not too far away was a being who was not happy at all with the recent events. Every creature, even one as despicable and heartless as the monster Grendel, has a mother. And a mother loves her son. Grendel's mother, a creature as fearsome as Grendel himself, swore to avenge the death of her son. Beneath the dread waters, she plotted. She would find the men who had killed Grendel and tear them limb from limb. Leaving the waters, she set out for the land of men. In Herot, all was quiet. Only the quiet breathing of soundly sleeping warriors could be heard in the great hall. This peace was shattered when a female monster barged in and grabbed one of the men, Swords were drawn and brandished, but the mother of Grendel was not afraid of them, and certainly wasn't going to be distracted from her purpose. She clutched her trophy tight and ran from the hall. The man she had taken was called Aesir, and he was one of Hrothgar's closest advisers and friends. Grendel's mother looked up at the roof of the hall and bellowed with rage. She snatched away the arm of her son and ran, bellowing thunderously. Herot was in uproar. Hrothgar entered the hall to receive the news that his beloved Aesir had been taken by this new vile monster. He summoned Beowulf. It was beginning to get light. Beowulf and his geats entered the hall and inquired if all was well. Hrothgar spoke. Do not ask about our welfare, he said. Once again we are struck down with the greatest of despair. 
Aesir, the elder brother of Irmalaf, has been taken, and no doubt killed. He was my closest counsellor, and one who knew my thoughts. He stood with me when we fought for our lives against our enemies. A new bloodthirsty monster has him. She has taken vengeance for the death of Grendel. Revenge is surely her motive. I have heard tales from my men that two monsters haunted the moors, not just one. A man and a woman. There has never been mentioned a father of Grendel, but this, surely, is his mother. Sometimes a mysterious fire is seen searing from the waters where Grendel went to die. Few living creatures chose to go to the wolf-filled hills or the marshes near the fiery lake. Stags running from the hunt stop at the edge of the waters. They won't jump in to save themselves from the hunters and the hounds. Hrothgar looked at Beowulf solemnly and spoke more softly. Our only chance is to turn to you again, great man of the Geats. Seek out this creature if you dare, and rid us of yet another treacherous foe. I will reward you again with great gifts if you return once more. Beowulf, son of Ejthiaw, replied gravely. I understand your grief, great king. I, as all warriors do, wish to gain great renown before I depart this world. Daring is how a man should be remembered. This kinswoman of Grendel will not escape, and will not shield her whereabouts from us. Whether she hides in a field or in the depths of the sea, whether she is concealed in a forest or alone on a mountain top, we will find her. Beowulf and the Geats mounted horses provided by Hrothgar and departed the Great Hall, accompanied by the king and some more of the Danes. Before long they found traces of the path of the monster. A footstep here, a trace of blood there. They made their way through uninhabitable country until they saw some ash trees above a rock. Beneath the wood was a lake of dark, gloomy water, and by the lake was something terrible. The Danes wept at the sight of the head of Aesir. The men peered into the water. It was clear that the mother of Grendel must be there somewhere, but they were confronted with a fearsome vision. In the water were a multitude of strange sea snakes and water snakes. Beowulf fired an arrow at one of the serpents and was gratified to see the creature perish. At least these beasts could be damaged with weapons. The leader of the Geats put on his chainmail. He encased his head in a mighty silver helmet. He grasped the sword. Before he could enter the water, though, one of the Danes stepped forward. It was none other than Unferth, the man who had taunted Beowulf about his swimming contest with Breca. There were no insults this time, though. Solemnly, Unferth handed Beowulf a sword. Take this, O great leader of the Geats, he said. Its name is Hrunting. Its edge is made of the sharpest iron, and it is annealed in venom. The poison will surely help you as you battle these creatures. Never has it failed a man in battle. This is not the first time that it will perform heroic work. The gift was well received, but Unferth's reputation would never recover. By giving the sword to the Geat, he had proven that he himself did not have the valour to do the deed. Beowulf turned to the company of men. It was clear he wanted to say some words before embarking on his second rescuing of the Danes. I am eager to begin, great son of Hilfdeen. Remember well what you agreed before my previous quest. If I fall, you will extend your protection to my troop of companions. If I fall, convey the gifts you have granted me to my lord Hygelac. He will know when he sees them that the patron in these quests was a man of wealth and power. Let Unferth have the blade I inherited as recompense for the loss of Hrunting should I fall. With Hrunting I shall achieve this deed, or die trying. And with these words, the Weathergate Prince dived into the murky, serpent-infested waters, Immediately he was set upon by the creatures of the lake. Beowulf used hunting to fend them off and then kill them. 
Serpent after serpent attacked the mighty warrior. Serpent after serpent was released from life and sank to the bottom, motionless. An unknown monster seized his leg, but Beowulf struck, and this beast too sank to the depths, lifeless. For nearly a whole day the Geat battled many strange creatures. And then Beowulf's prey was there. Grendel's mother made a grab for his legs, but couldn't get hold of his chainmail. She managed to lure him to a waterless cavern deep in the lake. In the cave a bright fire burned. For the first time, Beowulf was able to see Grendel's mother. She looked like a carbon copy of her son, but was evidently female. Beowulf drew her hunting and prepared for battle. The Weathergeat charged at the monster and struck her with all his might. As you might have guessed by now, hunting had no effect whatsoever. The blow simply bounced off the head of Grendel's mother. The blade didn't even make a scratch. Many combats had the greatsword participated in, and many hand-to-hand battles had it won. But Grendel's mother, like her son, could not be hurt by a weapon. Beowulf was furious, mostly with himself for not immediately guessing that this female monster would be impervious to the blade. He flung hunting to the ground and launched himself at Grendel's mother. His anger only served to make his attack more ferocious. He grabbed hold of his foe and flung her across the cave. She landed with an almighty thud. Not injured, but slightly dazed and very cross, she jumped up and leapt at the geat. She repeated Beowulf's move, and it was the warrior prince who found himself on his back on the cold cavern floor. Unlike his opponent, Beowulf, of course, could definitely be killed by a blade. Grendel's mother drew a knife and advanced, vengeance for her son the only thing on her mind. She attempted to stab the leader of the geats, but his chainmail saved him. Beowulf jumped to his feet, and at that moment spotted something bright and shining hanging on the wall of the cavern, amongst many other armours. It was a giant sword, fashioned in a giant's forge, so enormous that no normal man could have wielded it. The champion of the Scythlings tore it from the wall and brought it down firmly on Grendel's mother's neck, guessing, and of course hoping, that as a giant sword it would have magical properties which allowed it to hurt the monster. Fortunately for Beowulf, the Geats and the Danes, he was right. The blade seared through flesh and Grendel's mother sank to the ground. One blow from the giant sword had killed her. Beowulf breathed a sigh of relief and satisfaction. With the beast vanquished, Beowulf had time to look around the cavern. It wasn't long before he spotted the body of Grendel lying a few metres from the fire. Deciding that the Danes deserved the trophy, the proof that the monster was no more, that they had been denied when the one-armed Grendel rang off, Beowulf swung the mighty sword and cut off his head. Many fathoms above, the Geats and Danes sat by the lake, gloom the only pervading emotion. Hrothgar lamented, and the party was sure they would never see the great Geat again. They they chatted amongst themselves, all saying that the Seawolf had killed Beowulf. After nine hours, the Danes decided it was hopeless and set off for home, their misery almost touchable. The Geats stayed on. They couldn't bear to leave until they knew for a fact that their great leader was no more. They stayed at the pool, sickness in their very souls. They hoped they would see the great man alive once more, but they believed that they would not. Deep in the cavern, Beowulf prepared to leave. As he did so, he noticed something very strange was happening. The great blade he had used to kill Grendel's mother was changing. Slowly it turned into deadly icicles and began to waste away. The blood that it had spilled that day was too much for the enchanted metal. Within a few minutes there was no longer any steel, only the ornamental hilt remained. Beowulf decided he'd keep the hilt. 
Ignoring the many other treasures in the cavern, he grabbed the head of Grendel and swam upward and upward until he reached the surface. The leader of the Weathergeats reached the surface. The watching Geats spotted his head as soon as it appeared, and to a man cheered and whooped. They went to meet him as he swam to the shore, burdened by the mighty hilt and an unusually large head. They helped him remove his helmet. The lake, sullied with blood, was eerily calm. Four of the Geats mounted the massive head on a spear. The party made their way back to Herot with delight in their hearts. When they entered the hall, they were greeted with even louder cheers than those with which the Geats had greeted the return of their leader. Beowulf stepped forward and addressed the Danes. Behold, son of Hilfdeen, this trophy which I bring to you. I didn't survive easily deep in the dark waters, and the fight was not won without a struggle. Many thanks to you again, Unferth, but hunting had no effect on the monster. I spotted a giant sword hanging from the wall, and I snatched it up, and with it I finally dispatched the beast. The blood which sprang forth was too much for the blade, and it melted away. Here is the hilt. Now you may sleep soundly in Herot, free from worry and fear. Beowulf handed the hilt to Hrothgar. The Danish king gazed at the hilt for a few minutes before he finally spoke. Beowulf, my friend, your name will be known throughout the nations of the world. Even those lands far from here will learn of your fine deeds. I will be true to my vows. Beloved Beowulf, make sure that arrogance does not enter your person. Sickness or sword can strip away strength in an instant. Be true and be careful. Thanks be to God that I have lived to see the day that Grendel and his kin have been vanquished. O oh, victorious hero, tomorrow we will divide many treasures between us. Another great feast was held, and this time all knew the danger was over. Grendel and his mother were dead. Herot was alive. The grey-haired king left the hall as night began to fall and went gratefully to his rooms. The Geat, too, was exhausted by his day's efforts and retired to his bed. In the morning, the Geats prepared to leave, eager to see their homeland once more. Beowulf handed Hrunting back to Unferth, again giving his thanks. Unferth accepted the sword with the humility he had not shown when the Geat first arrived. Beowulf thanked his host for the hospitality and warmth he had shown to the small band of Geats. He told Hrothgar he would be ready to serve the great king whenever his help was required. Hrothgar thanked Beowulf for everything he had done for the Danes and praised his strength and wisdom. He told Beowulf he would make a great king for the Geatish people when his time came. He declared that any enmity that had once existed between their peoples would be forever forgotten. In the morning, twelve new treasures from the hall were presented to the Geatish leader. Hrothgar embraced and kissed the saviour of the Danes. As he did so, the grey-haired king foresaw that he and Beowulf would never meet again. This pained Hrothgar, and he fought to control his tears. The old king bade Beowulf and the Geats farewell, and they set off for their ship. The coastguards, who the Geats had met when they first arrived in the land of the Danes, greeted the party. He bade them a hearty farewell, and Beowulf and his men set sail for home. Next time, we'll find out what happens when they get there. But until then, have a great couple of weeks. Log on to www.mythandhistory.co.uk and I'll speak to you next time.